Welcome into Phil's Tax Hacks and Other Retirement Facts with CPA and Personal Financial Specialist, Phil Putney. Now let's get rolling with today's show. Hey everybody, welcome into another edition of the program. It's Phil's Tax Hacks and Other Retirement Facts with Phil and myself. And on the docket this week is Common Housing Questions. Housing, let me say that again. On the docket this week is common housing questions for retirees. Uh, the market has been on fire for a couple of years now. Well, yep. at least a good year and a half. Uh, it's been cooling Start, a little bit. starting here. to cool down a little bit, yeah. Cooling a little bit. And then the Fed conversation about ticking up rates is starting to change that dynamic a little bit. So we're going to yep. get into that this week. What's going on, my friend? How you doing? Doing great. Doing great. Love and spring. Yeah. Think, uh, think we're finally starting to get there. Are you getting questions about housing? Do you do you get all, some all the time? All the time? Yeah, I mean, and it's it's something that that generally is part of every plan. I mean, most most of the clients I work with, it comes up in some fashion. Yeah. You know, they're talking about do I downsize? Do I move? You know, move into another state? Um, should I pay off the mortgage? Should I not? Yeah. Right. There's all there's a lot of factors in in that housing discussion. So. Well, I mean, a lot of times we think about it. It's it's maybe the biggest asset, you know, uh, although sometimes there's, there's, there's things you might be surprised to find out that there's other things that are bigger assets. But anyway, the, yeah. the general rule of thumb is we kind of feel like it's the biggest thing we'll ever own or, or do uh, management wise from a housing. So it's really important, obviously. And there's a lot of financial questions that go into it as we get older. Uh, so it's no surprise that it's going to take up to your point, that it comes up a lot in the planning conversation. So on this episode, let's talk about a few things, Phil. I've got a couple here on the list. Um, with interest rates, still being pretty low. Mm-hmm. We're still getting kind of in a tick up. But yeah, yeah it's- we're still getting the emails. People are probably getting the calls or the emails saying, Hey, it's a great time to refi. Um, yep. What's your thoughts? Is it, is it, should we be paying it off as you know quickly as possible or, or just pay as little as possible to, I guess, since the rates are so low, just make that basic payment. Yeah. I mean, there, so there, there's pros and cons to it. This is a discussion that comes up very often in, uh, in planning. I mean, the, the general thought always has been in retirement, well, I want to have the house paid off before I retire, you know, sure. or as soon as I can after retirement. Um, it really depends, you know. I mean, with that, the advantage obviously is, well, if I don't have a house payment, I don't need as much income. And that's absolutely true. Sure. But the, the flip side of that is understanding how a house works and, you know, the equity you have in the house, the, the difference between the value and what you owe the bank on the mortgage, your equity that doesn't grow in value or doesn't gain right. interest or growth. The, the growth that happens or decline that happens in value is based on the house, not the equity. You know, okay. it's just how much of that is yours after you sell it. So really to me, there's not a lot of advantage in having equity because you're, you can't use it. It's not like you can spend it, you know, <laughs> unless we get into a reverse mortgage and that's a whole other discussion we maybe touch on later, but right you know, or you borrow, you go get a home equity loan and borrow from it. But other than that, it's not, you don't have a checkbook. You can't write a check against the equity in the house unless there is that equity line. So you can't reach into the wall um, and pull out cash, you know? Yeah. It really, to me, when I talk about housing, there's, I call the head rule and the tummy, right? So the head rule, the math, I can run the math behind it. Generally in a lower interest rate environment, the math says don't pay it off, you know, Um, have a, a comfortable, mortgage payment that fits into your budget Mm -hmm. or spending, you know, and then as long as interest rates are reasonable, then you're better off long-term with that because you've got cash then available, you know, that you can use for other things. If you need it, if if you've used this cash and paid off the house, 
and later I need it. Well, it's very difficult now to get that cash back. Well, then you're, you're house rich and cash poor. So as a same, right. yeah. you know, but on the, the flip side of that, I have some clients that we go through the discussion and the math says, yeah, you really shouldn't do it. But if at the end of the day, it's just something you want to do and it keeps you up at night knowing I've got the mortgage payment, you'd rather right. have it paid off then let's get it paid off. Let's figure yeah. out how to do no, that. Sure. That's that. That's the tummy rule, right? So right. at the end of the day, that's the one really that governs. To me, you, you've got to understand the math, make an informed decision. But if you're comfortable paying it off, then let's get it figured out what's the best way to do that. No, exactly. Because if, you know, for some people, it's just going to, that's going to be the overriding rule, which is why it's such a big right. deal. Uh, definitely talk with a professional, run the math, run the numbers, get the logic behind it. And right. then it makes it a little easier to make the, uh, you know, the tummy or the head rule there. Uh, right. Okay. So the other conversation that tends to come up when you get close to retirement is, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's time to maybe, is it time to, to move down to a smaller house? Uh, yep. Especially if you've raised a bigger family, right? So if you had three or four kids, you probably don't need all that space anymore. But the current market that we're in, Phil, makes that a little wonky because you may be paying, you may get more for the place, but you may be paying more for the new place too. To your point, yeah, today's market, it, it can be really tricky for yeah. a lot of reasons because, yeah, you're getting more, but you're paying more, you know, so right. that's kind of a, a, an offset. The real catch to me in all of this is, I mean, you can downsize from a, a size, but you're probably not downsizing much in cost. But the, the real trick is going to be the property tax, at least here in Michigan, because what mm -hmm. ends up happening is if you've owned your current home for 20, 30 years, well, your property tax is capped, that tax base, it can only go up by a certain percentage each year. Mm -hmm. So when you sell and now buy, everything gets reset. So now the tax base is set at what you pay. You know, So all of a sudden you can have a, a smaller house, even if it's less expensive, and all of a sudden be paying significantly more property taxes because of that. Yeah. Just again, run the math, understand pros and cons, how does it work? Um, and, and know that before you, you jump into it, because that's that's the, the surprise, unfortunately, that I've um, seen some people get into. And, and if they haven't had a good real estate agent that walks them through, well, here's the property taxes. Don't look at what the people are paying, because that's irrelevant. Right. Because it's based on their length in the house and what their tax base is. What will you pay when you buy it? How, how does that factor in, Phil, if you want to think about downsizing to something like a condo or a townhome versus an actual home where maybe you don't have uh, maintenance and all those kinds of things, or maybe it's even in another state? Yeah. So, I mean, another state, you get into the whole same discussion there. Now you got the move. Um, mm -hmm. Condo versus owning the house. Yeah. You don't have maintenance. You don't have to you know, hire the lawn guy and do the right. you know, snow plowing and you know, the major outside things. Typically, that's part of the condo. But the flip side there is you got a maintenance fee. It's not, it's not free, you know. So well, that's true. Yeah, you have to build in what is that maintenance fee for the condo, and those those can be really tricky mm, okay. um, because you have you have no say what that that number is. Right. Kind of like an HOA, HOA, but a lot more because they cover more. Right? Yeah, they're, right. they're covering all that structure typically on a condo. So the outside is the condo's responsibility, the association's responsibility. Yeah. So just be careful in those, those condo associations to understand what that HOA is, what it has it been and you yep. know, know that that's the, the risk you're taking there is that 
that covers the maintenance. It's not free. So well, and for the snowbirds, that's typically the conversation that comes up. You want to sell the house, right. you want to move to Florida, whatever the case might be. So just yeah, definitely you want two houses, that. you want to just rent. I mean, yeah, that's true too, again, yeah. I mean that's a discussion we have a lot of clients. Is, yeah. yeah, I understand you want to go sell for the you know three months of the year, whatever it is, right. but is it really worth owning a house? You know, you know, you've got property taxes and insurance and all the maintenance and everything that goes with it that's going to sit vacant for nine months. Or yeah, you can try to rent it, but then you got to deal with the rental side of it. Uh, yeah, that can. You want to just headache. Yeah, find a place you like and rent. You know, got to run the math and, and pros and cons. How long are you going to do it? Uh, you mentioned equity earlier, and I should have asked you when you did that. But uh, you know, using the equity is it is it a good idea to pull that out for the major purchases sometimes, if need be? Or again, is that that emergency fund conversation, or should we just be budgeting for that? Uh, you know, whether it's like the remodel the kitchen or whatever to make life easier as we age or whatever. Right. Um, it, again, you have to run the math in your scenario to see. I mean, I I always encourage even if the house is paid off, have a home equity loan on it or a line of credit on it. Okay. Because it's it's a, a good emergency fund, you know, rather than having hundred thousand sitting in the bank earning point zero 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 one. Or if you have a home equity, well, then it's not really costing you anything except for maybe a small annual maintenance fee to have it, and you only pay if you use it, you know. So it, it makes it easier to manage that that uh, need for cash in an emergency of whatever it is, you know. Okay. Okay. So, uh, yeah, so, what, I, so what, what's your story on that? So I went on to open a savings account at my bank the other day on, just did it online. Um, I won't say who it is, but anyway, so I uh, went online and I'm just going to open a separate savings account to start saving something for a specific item I'm, I want to do later on. Mm-hmm. And so um, on the, on the website, it has the two items and it says, click here for, you know, use this one. If you'd like to just start with the basic at $25 or whatever. And then the right. next one on the other side, it says, click this one for higher yield, you know, better, you know, more return. $10,000 is the minimum to open sure. that savings account, but you get a better rate, right? That's the big, bold, shiny, you know, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. click. And then of course it's click here for more details, right? It's really small. So I thought, well, you know what? Let me just look and see what the difference is since I talk about this stuff. So I clicked it. And what do you think the uh, earnings rate on the savings account was from the $25 basic one to the high dollar $10,000 one? What do you think the difference was? Maybe a hundredth or a thousandth of a percent different. I mean, it's, it's it yeah. can't be much different. <laughs> Based on what it showed on the website, no difference. Oh, really? It, was, it, was, it wouldn't yeah, surprise point, me. 0.01 for both of them. Okay. Yeah, so big shiny up front. Oh, we're going to pay you more, but the reality is not. But the reality right. is, right. Yeah. And we've done a show on that in the past about checking the fine print, you know, the sales brochures and shiny oh, yeah. objects and stuff like that. But it, it it's kind of goes to serve because the idea is that you're just going to see it and go, oh, cool. I'll do that. I want the higher right. interest rate one. Yeah. Yeah. So you always yep. got to check to make sure it's the right thing for you because there was virtually, there was no difference. And if it was, yep. it was like, it was past the 0.01 number, right? So they didn't even yeah, bother yeah. put it on there. So if you put $10,000 in there, you're getting 10 cents, right? <laughs> I mean, what is that? 10 it, cents a month, it's, right? It's Nothing. absurd. It's, it's absurd, absurd where we're at. So anyway, we're back to the housing thing. I digress for a second, but um, signing the house over to the kids that we've gotten several emails of on that and different times, things where we go, well, I'm a yeah. little worried about a medical condition or, or whatever the case is. So let me just sign it over to them. But there's some things to be careful here. Yeah. You've got to be really careful putting the kids actually on the house. Um, and again, so I'm not an attorney, put that disclaimer out there up front, talk with your attorney on this, but Right. That's something I'd recommend um, because by them being on your house, now your house is subject to all their risk. You know, so for instance, 
they get into financial hardship and, and, you know, borrow a bunch of money on a credit card and can't pay it and go bankrupt. Well, your house is one of their assets. Car accident. Their name's on it. Whatever. They get into a car accident, right? And get sued. Yeah. Their house is one of your assets. So yep. you got to be really careful of, of what you're getting into. There, there's a better approach to that. If you're worried about that, you know, the, you go into Medicaid and, and the state's paying for your care and, and, and then yeah. taking the house, at least again, in Michigan, the way it works is they can't take the house, right? You're allowed to have a house, a car, and I think 4,000 in the bank or investments like of that. some sort, yeah. you know, so that's kind of the, if you hit that level, then Medicaid would pay. But at the end of it, if you pass away, Medicaid's going to put a claim against your estate and try to recoup that. So one of the ways around that, if that's your concern, is is in Michigan, at least we have what's called a ladybird deed, which think of it almost like a beneficiary designation on mm-hmm. the deed that, mm-hmm. that during your lifetime, it's you and a spouse. But then there's this beneficiary option that kind of springs up when both of you pass. So that house never goes through your estate. It automatically oh, okay. then goes yeah. directly to the kids. So, I mean, if that's your main concern, again, talk it over with your estate planning attorney. Um, but a lot of times that's the better option because now you're not subjecting your house to their risk. They don't have ownership at this and, stage. And, and also there's a, in a lot of places, Phil, every state's probably, maybe it's different. I don't know if it's a federal thing or not, but there's that five year look back. Yeah. All states have some kind of a look back. Like in Michigan, I think it's still the five years that if yeah. you give everything away, you know, you got to make it five years. Otherwise the state can go claw back. Yeah. They call it. And, and they basically have done in. that for that reason. You get diagnosed with something and you think, Oh, and so you sign it over to the right. kid. And then within two years, you're, you know, depleted in a nursing home. Right. Yeah. They, they had to protect themselves a little bit. So they, they've got this five year look back. So bear right. that in mind as well. Yep. Okay. Uh, let's do one more here. We'll wrap it up. And that is reverse yep. mortgages since you mentioned it. Um, I mean, good idea, bad idea. So I'll toss out a scenario just to kind of help people sure. think about it for a second. So my daughter, we have one child, so we're not going to have an argument over who gets what, cause we just have the one, right. uh, you know, and she's in the Navy and she's doing her thing and she's making a, has a good career. She may not want the house. So if she comes to me and says, I have no interest in the home, I'm not going to want to live. I'm never coming back there. I don't want to live there. You know, does it make sense for something like that? Because I have no one else to leave it to. We have no one else to leave it to. So there could be instances where a reverse mortgage could make sense, but you really needed to think this through, right? Absolutely. So, I mean, it's again, so it's like with any financial tool or thing, understand pros and cons. I mean, there's a lot of bad um, rap out there about reverse mortgages. and, And back in the day, I mean, they were not a good deal. You know, I mean, it it used to be a thing where, you know, you're basically signing over the house and they're paying you a monthly income or whatever it is. And, oh, you died early. Well, they get the house. You know, that's not a good deal because, you know, you've lost or your heirs have lost the house and maybe you didn't get really all the equity out. Right. They're they're much more regulated today. And to me, they can be a really good option. They're they're a great financial tool if they use the right way. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's, it is truly a mortgage, you know? So if you passed away with a reverse mortgage on the house, mm-hmm. the mortgage company can't take the house. They, they, they've got an obligation that needs to be paid. So if your heirs want it, well, they're going to have to refinance the house to pay right. off that reverse mortgage. Right. So that then it's theirs, you know, or it gets sold and that gets paid off and whatever's left goes to the heirs. So you're not losing the house from that standpoint. But back to kind of our initial discussion of that equity in the home, mm-hmm. a reverse mortgage is, is a way for you to gain access to that. 
I mean, can be a, a really good option in a lot of scenarios. Um, you know, yeah, again, I, we could do a whole show on reverse mortgages and, maybe and, we should. And, and how it works. Yeah, well, maybe we um, should because I had a gentleman but, talking to me about that the other day, and he was like, he was in a similar boat. He's like, I don't have any kids. He's like, this is going to be a great way for me to additionally fund my retirement by using that month, that reverse mortgage because yeah. when I pass, they can have it, right, in that particular situation because then they'll sell right. it to get their money back. That's typically right. how it works in that scenario, right? Yeah, I mean, if, if you go, you pass away in, in, uh, in your estate, there's that house with a reverse mortgage. Yeah, it, your, your heirs or whoever the executor of the estate is, is going to sell the house if no one wants it, if they're not going to refinance it and pay the mortgage off, but they'll right. sell it, pay off the mortgage and whatever left goes into the estate. So it's a way of you spending that equity, mm-hmm. you know, and it, it doesn't have to be a monthly income. It can be, you can structure it many ways. You can have okay. it set up as a monthly income. Um, you can have it set up as an equity line. You know, so it's like a home equity, but it's it, the advantage to a reverse mortgage is that there's never a payment due. And, and that's the reverse, right? So if you have an equity line of credit on the house, you at a minimum have to pay the interest. And at some point, right. the equity line is going to come due and you have to pay the principal back. Gotcha. In a reverse mortgage, there's never a payment due. Right. Now, it doesn't mean the bank isn't charging interest. It's sure. accumulating. Right. It's building. Right? So yeah. you're... you're you're um, compounding that interest rate inside or interest inside the mortgage. So they're going to get their payment at the end when the house is sold. So that's the difference is it's, it's a way of you of using that equity and not having to pay it back. Yeah. So okay. again, there's pros and cons to it. Um, it can be a really good financial tool. The, the trick you have to be careful with, with it is unlike a mortgage, it's not as it's going to cost more to have one, so you don't want to, to have this on a house that you're not going to own long-term. If you're only going to be right, in the house for right. five years, don't do a reverse mortgage oh, because yeah, 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 the yeah. cost benefit is just not going to work. This, but if this is the, like you say, home, this is, right? this is my, I'm, I'm living here forever. Yeah. I'm yeah. dying here. Yeah. And now I can, you know, recoup some of that equity out of the house to use for other things. And it'll all get um, reconciled in the end when you pass because the mortgage company will get paid back. So, gotcha. Yeah. So anyway, I think just a great, understand how they work. It's a great tool. So. Yeah. I think it's a great idea. Maybe we'll do a more in-depth show on one later because there's a lot mm-hmm. of little nuances there. We can kind of do some more stuff on it. So again, common questions for housing or around housing for retirees, you know, downsizing is the big one. How do I, you know, do some equities, you know, the reverse mortgage conversation we just had, you know, should I pay it off now, pay it off later? Those are the biggies that always pop up. So hopefully that helps you out a little bit. As always, you know, when it comes to big decisions, make sure you're talking with your financial professional before you take any action. You can get information from us. You can learn some things. You can get some points of view. We're talking in generalities. We're trying to share information. You can listen to 20 other podcasts, but then take that information and sit down with a professional, you know, you know, face-to-face before you take any action. And if you need help, reach out to Phil. He's happy to do so. You can talk to him on the phone. You can do the virtual thing if you're not in the Michigan area or if you're not, in, uh, you know, in the area where he's at. He's got clients all over the country. Yep. So, Feel free to reach out to him at philstaxhacks.com or just call him at 248-888-7530. Phil, thanks for hanging out this week, my friend. I appreciate you as always. We'll get into some more stuff next week. I hear all All right, sounds good. We appreciate you. We'll catch you later on the show, folks. Thanks. Investment advisory services offered through AFS Wealth Management. The content of this program is provided for informational purposes only and is not a solicitation or recommendation of any investment strategy. Investments and or investment strategies involve risk, including the possible loss of principal. There is no assurance that any investment strategy will achieve its objectives.